Secret, a podcast where we will highlight real stories of people sharing their secrets to success and cover all those taboo topics. If you are seeking community, connection, and collaboration, you've found the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Sanchez. Let's speak our secret and live our truth. Note, this is not a substitution for therapy or professional training. Hi, and welcome to episode three of Speak the Secret. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Sanchez. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today is our very first taboo topic. Since it is Infant and Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month, I have our guest on today who's going to be sharing her story of loss that happened about four and a half years ago. So I'm going to read her bio. Dolores Gonzalez is a California licensed clinical social worker who currently works as a psychiatric social worker in Los Angeles County. She has worked in numerous facilities with underprivileged, underserved populations. Dolores enjoys helping other mental health professionals improve their clinical skills. One of her specializations is working with immigrant families and performing psychological evaluations for immigrants seeking asylum as well as helping immigrants who are victims of crime. I'm excited to have her here today, and I'm so thankful that she's brave enough to share her story. This is something that really isn't talked about, but it's way more common than we think. Um, One in every four pregnancies ends in a loss. So that is 25% of people that you meet have experienced some form of loss related to pregnancy, um, infant loss, and that's a really high number. And this is a tough subject to talk about. We want to associate babies with joy and happiness and love and all those good things, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And it's really terrible that these people have to suffer in silence. And that's really another reason why I wanted to start this podcast and talk about these taboo topics because shame can't live in light. Once things are brought to light, that's when it opens the door for us to connect with other people, and that's when the shame dies. So speaking these secrets and bringing these things out is what's going to help us heal, and that's really my ultimate mission is to help people heal and know that they're not alone. So let's get into it and talk to Dolores. Hi, Dolores. Thank you so much for joining us on the Speak the Secret podcast today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So let's just start off with you telling the listeners a little bit about who you are and just give us a brief introduction to Dolores. Yeah, sure. So my name's Dolores Gonzalez. I'm an LCSW. Um, I've been in the mental health field for quite some time now. So I've worked in multiple capacities from doing therapy to coaching to Um, just like, you know, doing consulting um, jobs where I've worked with um, EAP programs. And I really enjoy helping others. So that's why I'm here. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah. So today we're talking about a tough subject, but one that's not talked about often enough. And I'm so grateful that you agreed to share your story and you're so open and honest about talking about it to help other people that I think that's amazing. And since October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, I just felt like it was a good topic to address. So go ahead and start wherever you're comfortable starting. Yeah, so this actually, so 
I don't know, like kind of like what you said, it's, it's a very uncomfortable subject. I think for me, um, I'm at a place where I'm okay talking about it. I feel like it's something that's, that needs to be uh, talked about and shared with people who have, you know, similar experiences. Um, so I actually had a miscarriage four and a half years ago. Um, my, I have a, a 15, well, soon to be 15 year old um, child and she was 10 at the time. So I hadn't been pregnant from, you know, from between those years. So it was like my first pregnancy in 10 years, I guess you can say. Yeah. Um, and we were super excited, you know, uh, it was, people asked like, was it something, you know, that was planned? Yes. Which is and a no. rude, weird question for people it to ask. It is a weird, rude question. Yeah. It, it is kind of weird and rude because I mean, it's not like I was hoping like I to get pregnant that month, but it was something that my husband and I had talked about and hoped, you know, would happen. Um, but anyhow, so we find out we're pregnant. We were super excited um, because it wasn't my first time being pregnant. It wasn't my first pregnancy. I kind of knew that, that I needed to wait uh, before I made my first doctor's appointment. Okay. So when I, yeah, when I calculated like the weeks, like the approximate weeks that, you know, I was pregnant, I was like, okay, let me wait a couple weeks and then I'll be at my I believe it was going to be my ninth week. So anyway, I call, make my appointment, go in. We have our first ultrasound. The doctor was like super excited too. Cause she was like, wow, you know, the embryo has a really strong heartbeat. So it was just something so exciting, you know, for those of you yeah. that have been uh, pregnant, that first appointment is like everything. Cause you're like, oh my gosh, it's, confirmed by a doctor you know I'm having this ultrasound done I can see the baby's heartbeat right yeah so you think um, you're in the clear everything's good right yeah but you know one thing that I really really have to emphasize is you as a woman you kind of know your body and you know when something's not right you know mm -hmm. and I only say this because when we had that first appointment, the embryo was measuring at like five and a half weeks, which was very odd to me because I'm like, that doesn't sound right. You know, I'm based on my calculations, I should be about nine weeks or so, like pushing mm -hmm. that 10th week, you know. Um, so when I shared this with my doctor, she's like, yeah, well, you know, these things are never accurate. Um, you, they're like, give or take two weeks off. We never know like exact timing or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I just knew something was wrong. I'm like, I don't know. She kept going off like, you know, um, that the heartbeat was very strong. And she's like, typically we don't see that at five and a half weeks. Like you don't really see much at that time so she's like this is actually really good news I'm like okay well so I kind of went with it you know I was of course happy so it's like okay well if the doctor's reassuring me then everything's probably okay you know yeah so um you know then after that so I was feeling fine I wasn't having any symptom of symptoms of morning sickness because according to the doctor it was kind of too soon to feel that um 
And, but then shortly after that, I started feeling like the nausea and feeling extremely tired. So I couldn't stay awake for the life of me. So it was like, oh my gosh, no matter how much rest I would get or how many naps I would take, I would feel so tired. Yeah. And was this like your first pregnancy or was this totally different? No. So my first pregnancy, it was completely different. I was sick from the moment I found out I was pregnant. I mean, that, that pregnancy was, yeah, it, it was different. And then of course, 10 years had passed. So your I think it, different. Yeah, yeah your, your body's exactly. I was much, much younger. I was like in my early twenties, um, during that pregnancy, it just looked very different. You know, I think at that point in my life, I was still trying to get to know my own body, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're older, I think you know yourself much better, you know? So, okay. so this time around, no nausea, but the doctor again reassured you that it was normal because it was still really soon. Right. Yeah. So, but again, you know, she was kind of dismissing what I was yeah. trying to share with her. You know what I mean? So that was kind of, kind of odd too. Um, so anyhow, I start feel you know, weeks pass on and I'm feeling sick at work and sleepy, couldn't stay awake. Um, my energy was super like low. I didn't feel like doing anything or going anywhere. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting to feel the symptoms. But then um, one morning I wake up and I had like spotting it was, it was really, I can't even explain it to you because my, I showed my husband, I know this probably sounds weird to some people, but I'm very comfortable with my husband. And I'm like, you need to come see this. He couldn't see anything. He's like, I don't see anything. I think you're worrying too much. I know you really want this to kind of happen for us, but you need to just enjoy the, you know, the moment, like just kind of go with it. It's okay. Anyway, I'm like, okay, maybe I am being paranoid. But something told me, call the doctor, Um, just call, just to have some reassurance, maybe some guidance, maybe she'll give you some tips, you know, Um, because I was Googling everything, which I do not recommend. Don't do that. (laughs) We say it, but we all do it. But yeah, that's the worst thing to do. Right. So call the doctor. They're like, oh, that's normal. Spotting is normal. I'm like, okay. So I think my, my, my follow-up was coming up like within that week. So they're like, just kind of monitor. And if it's heavy bleeding, go to the emergency room, you know, all that good stuff. So I'm like, okay. So then fast forward to my follow-up appointment. I had started having like really bad migraine headaches between the time I started spotting until that follow-up appointment. Hmm. So I was really nervous. I was like, something's not right. You know, the spotting hadn't gotten any worse. So I think like I would skip a couple days and there was like tiny little spotting, but it wasn't anything concerning, you know, what had changed was that whole like migraine, like headache stuff. And I suffer from migraine. So I was kind of like, I don't know if this is like part of my normal, like experience that I have when I'm not pregnant so I didn't Mm. know if that it was that or what you know yeah so so go to the follow-up appointment and I start sharing with the doctor the spotting the headaches because they weren't going to do an ultrasound so they don't typically do ultrasounds at every appointment 
Mm-hmm. But she's like, just to be safe and to give you a peace of mind. She was kind of being a little dismissive because she's like, you're being paranoid. Like, this is all normal. But I pushed for it. Again, listen to your body. You know when something's always not right. Yes. yes, yes. The doctor can be the, the expert in their profession, but no one knows your body better than you do. No one. You Even know? though it doesn't feel like it's yours when you're pregnant. Exactly. Yeah, so true. Yes. So, so like we're dismissed a lot. <laughs> exactly. So pay attention to that. I knew something was off, you know, and maybe even if the ultrasound would have told me something different, but I know that my body was t- trying to tell me something, you know? So anyway, she does the ultrasound and lo and behold, there's no heartbeat anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh my gosh, you know? So I ended up going to this doctor's appointment by myself. So my husband wasn't there with me because he asked me like, are you sure you don't, you know, you don't want me there. And I was kind of like, no, maybe I'm just being paranoid. And I think so. you still saying, even believe that maybe you were being paranoid and didn't think he needed to be there with you. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it was like, uh, it all by yourself. Yes. And you know, so when there's, there was no heartbeat and I kid you not, like my world literally like, just sunk. I was like, Mm. Oh my God. You know, I get this when I'm in a state of shock for me, I feel like really cold, like blood kind of rushing. It's just like this really weird sensation that I've always gotten. And that's exactly what I got. I was like, Oh my gosh, every, like the room was spinning. I didn't know what to think, you know, I was like, Oh my, like, are you sure? You know? And I remember asking the doctor that, like, are you sure? Can you check? Like, you know, and she was checking. She's like, there's nothing there. I was like, is this all with the same doctor? This is all with the same doctor. Okay. Yeah. So she was like, you know, I want to have a follow-up appointment with you next week. Um, just to kind of see where you're at. What was really strange about my situation you know, was that this doctor said, I don't want to rush to get a DNC. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's when they scrape the lining of your uterus, Mm -hmm. like after there's a termination in pregnancy, um, or there's a, a miscarriage. So they go in there and they're scraping the lining of the uterus just to be safe that there's no like residual left, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, of that pregnancy. Cause it could be deadly. Like you, you can't have any traces of like the embryo or anything inside of your uterus, you know, when this happens. So the doctor said, you know, let's not rush to get that done. Um, because there could be some scarring left, um, in the, the uterus and, you know, I'm not sure how that can affect you. Um, so let's just wait for the miscarriage to happen naturally, which was terrifying for me. Mm-hmm. And you're there again, all by yourself, like in shock. Yes. And yes. she's been reassuring you this whole time. Everything's good. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden gives you different news. Exactly. So it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. She was like, take all the time you need, you know, getting dressed and leaving the, the, the room. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, I probably will be here all day. Cause I didn't, you know, it's, it's. And so that's crazy. it. <laughs> No resources, no nothing. Nothing. Like all alone. I was like, oh my gosh, no social worker or anybody to like check in with me. And I know typically in 
you know, OBGYN offices, they don't have a clinician or someone that you can talk to. But kind of looking back, it's so important to have someone there. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like so- you were lucky enough and fortunate you have a partner. Like some people are doing this all by themselves. Yes. And then you don't even have someone to go home to and talk to, or maybe don't have family or friends around here either. So then who's your support? Exactly. You're literally left there all alone with like, oh my God, like you, so many questions were kind of going through my head, you know? Um, but it was just the most awful experience that I've ever, ever gone through. Like it was just, I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, it was just mm-hmm. so weird. And again, so many things kind of went through my head. It was like, oh my gosh. So anyway, I was able to pick myself up. Um, it was one of those sad cases too, where I told myself like, okay, you're a clinician. You need to mm-hmm. get moving. Like, come on. Which was really unfair to me. Cause I don't care what you are. Like, yeah, you need to just accept like, no, that's the wrong word. Not accept you need to be okay with what's happening um, with you at the moment. Yes. You know, it's okay to be sad and devastated. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And being a clinician doesn't invalidate how you're feeling. And just because you're a therapist, like you can't expect to just cure yourself instantly because we don't expect that with our clients. Right. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Cause I felt the same way after having my baby. Like I'm a psychologist, like just snap out of it. No, (laughs) like I couldn't. We can't, it's, we have to feel it as we're going through it. And exactly. just found out like that something devastating happened and now you're trying to process it. And Right. Yeah. So it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's, mm-hmm. it's totally okay. You need to take your time with it. I'm able to talk about it without crying anymore. It still makes me emotional, of course, because this was yeah. a very traumatic experience for me. But I can talk about it to like help others that have similar mm-hmm. stories, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't think grief and loss, it never goes away. It just it kind doesn't. of stays there. And I think the intensities, you know, increase and decrease and different things trigger it and stuff. But I don't think any of that ever fully goes away. Right. Yeah. So just to kind of go back to um, my story, because it kind of, it, it got a little worse for me before it got better. So as I mentioned, you know, the doctor wanted me to go through this miscarriage naturally Mm -hmm. before any like medical procedures um, would be taken, you know? So, you know, my birthday happens to land during all of this, like, you know, tragedy. Um, So it was my birthday, my birthday and my family wanted to do something special because I had already shared the news that, you know, this pregnancy wasn't going to happen. And of course, people said all kinds of weird and rude things mm-hmm. to me, whether it was intentional or not. And we'll kind of get just to share that. some. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. But just so you kind of get a picture of what I was going through, you know? Mm-hmm. So Anyway, so it's my birthday. We went to go have breakfast because I just wasn't in the mood to do anything. But I also felt like, you know, no, let me, I mean, I can't just sit around and cry for me personally. If people want to sit around and cry, do so. There's nothing wrong with that. But I felt like it's my birthday. I need to eat. So Mm -hmm. I might as well do it with the people I love, you know, for some like motivation or encouragement or whatever. So I, you know, we had breakfast, 
couldn't enjoy it. Everyone knew something was wrong. Um, you know, we said our goodbyes. Once all that was done, I went back home and I wasn't feeling good. So I'm like, okay, the doctor had told me that I was going to start having major cramping and excessive bleeding. Um, and when that happened to make sure that I went to the ER because they needed to monitor my situation. So um, I was starting to feel like that severe cramping. Um, so I told my husband, I need to take a nap. I'm not feeling well. Um, I took whatever medication they told me to take over the counter. So I did that. Mm -hmm. It helped me rest. But unfortunately, when I woke up from one of the many naps that I had to take, there was, I mean, excessive bleeding. And I'm sorry, like, if you guys are not comfortable with this, but I, it's something that I need to share. You know, there was like excessive bleeding to the point where it scared me and I passed out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my husband was able to calm me down because my husband's also in the mental health field. So he was using some techniques to help, to help ground me pretty much because mm -hmm. I was not all there. Um, he rushed me to the ER. We didn't feel the need to call 911 at that point because we were taking all the steps that the doctor told us to take. Mm -hmm. So he was able to rush me to the ER. Um, you know, the nurse again made really weird like comments, you know, they had me in the room. So anyway, I was there, I was stable. The doctor was actually really good, the attending physician, because he did all the medical procedures that he needed to um, get done with saying like very minimal rude comments. So he was very, um, comforting but then kind of left it at that you know um and then I was discharged so it was kind of like oh my god it was just one of those things that was just really weird because I was now back home and I didn't have an embryo I had already gone through it which for me kind of helped me start that healing process yeah you know because I couldn't start it prior to that because I still had something in me and I was waiting for the moment for it to to happen and it didn't happen until maybe like a week later or so. so a whole week you went waiting knowing that this baby wasn't happening for you anymore mm -hmm. there's no heartbeat and you're just waiting wondering when this was going to happen like when you were going to pass it or when something was going to happen for you mm -hmm. to take that next step yeah that's terrible oh my gosh I can't even imagine having to go through that like yeah and then for it to finally happen on your birthday yes yes Oh my gosh. It was just, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, you know, I think people making really weird and rude comments, it just made it 10 times worse. Yeah. You know, I, there's never the right thing to say when someone's going through a loss or like a tragedy, right? Because it may feel like the right thing to do, but it may not be the right thing for the person that's going through it. Yeah. But I can tell you, there's a whole list of wrong things that you sh probably shouldn't tell somebody. Yeah. Let's start with that. Start with some of those things. Cause you even heard those in the doctor's office, like waiting in the ER. So share some of those like weird random comments that weren't helpful for you. Yeah. So I remember when, when I checked into the ER and you know, the, the clerk at the front desk, um, starts asking you like, why are you here today? Right. So you're telling, I, I, told her, I said, well, I'm having a miscarriage. Okay. Well, what are your symptoms? So I'm telling her 
And then when she realized that it was my birthday, she was like, oh my God, today's your birthday? Oh no, what a terrible way to spend your birthday. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like really, I'm already coming in here with this and you're like, remind I know it's my birthday you don't need to remind me of that like it's a terrible way to spend any day <laughs> and now yes. yeah her reminding you it, on top of it that exactly so it's where she, did she even express any empathy before making that comment or it was just going through her list her regular she, triage so she, she did you know she did she you can tell like in her facial expressions like oh my gosh she did say I'm so sorry okay um, so that was nice, but then, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, it's your birthday. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, so there, there was that. Then the nurse who, um, took me in the room cause they have to take you in immediately, right. Based on whatever symptoms you're having, I was having excessive bleeding. So the nurse comes and wheels me in cause I was in a wheelchair. I was super weak. Um, they didn't allow my husband in because first they wanted to make sure that I was stable and everything was okay. So they made him wait in the, the lobby. And then the nurse, he's checking me in and then he's like, oh no, you poor thing. It's your birthday. How terrible. Wow. Oh my gosh. Like at that point, I wanted to cuss Punch him out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like shut yeah. up you're a nurse, do your job and just get me, yes, just get me in the bed or in a room already. Like, I don't need your comments, you know, but I was so weak. And so, yes. And so emotionally drained. I was just like, just be quiet. You know, I wasn't responding anything to him. So he got the point, you know, at some point, I think I had my eyes closed and I was like, just shut up. And I was telling myself like, take a deep breath. Right now, what matters is your health, because I was really, really scared. I didn't know what was happening. So I was like, you know, thinking of my daughter and my loved ones and my husband, like, I need to be okay. I need to make this through because my child still needs me and I need her, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, after that, the experience was just awkward. Once my husband was able to come into the room, like, I felt much better because he was by my side and Mm -hmm. the doctor came in. He was great. Like I said, he was very comforting, but then kind of left it. Like he got the point too. I'm like, I'm very sorry this is happening to you. Um, Explain to me the procedures that were going to get done after that. And then he said, and then you can go home and rest. You know, I don't want to keep you in a cold hospital room. Like once you're stable, go home. That's probably the best place for you to grieve go through your grieving process. So which I thought was like, oh my gosh, like he's not giving me any advice. He's not making the situation worse by making these weird comments like everyone else has. But he didn't give you any guidance or support either. Just like, let's get you in and out and get you home. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was his own, like he felt uncomfortable because he was a male doctor and he wasn't an OBGYN. He was just the attending physician in the ER. Um, And again, going back to that whole, like, they need clinicians for things like this, because that would have been a perfect opportunity for someone to come in and talk to me about what was going on or giving me resources if I wasn't ready to talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or have somebody call you when you get home, something, Mm -hmm. because if the doctors are uncomfortable having these conversations with you, 
like how is your family and friends supposed to you know like how are they going to know what to do and what to say yeah so you know like I said for me personally I was able to start my my healing process after that Mm -hmm. um once I was like medically stable physically because I had to take time off of work it was too much Mm -hmm. I had a really good supervisor at the time Um, And I told her I was going through this. She was one of the very few people that knew I was um, pregnant because I couldn't function at work. Like I mentioned earlier, I was falling asleep. So she was being very flexible, like with my schedule. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. She referred me to HR. She's like, kind of go talk to them and see what your options are when it comes to um, having to leave work or whatever, whatever it is that you need, you know? So they were very accommodating to an HR, which I loved. So people that were super supportive in that sense, they helped me get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people say like talking about it helps. Well, not for everyone. You have to be in a good place before you can talk about it for some, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some people may want to talk about it right away after experience it just to process what's going on and yeah, some people may need to process on their own. Right. I mean, I've never experienced this, so I don't know, but I just know like working with clients, what I've seen, it's it's different. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's process is going to be totally different. Um, I'm happy to talk about this subject because I feel like whether you've had a miscarriage or not, normalizing that this is normal, people. It's normal. It's a normal thing that happens to so many women. But why don't we know that? Exactly. Yeah. Nobody's telling us that, Mm -hmm. you know, like no one never in my life had I heard. No, that's a lie. So I'm going to say like, "Mm, how can I say it? Like I hadn't, I had heard people share like, oh yeah, I've had a miscarriage, but then it kind of stops there. Mm -hmm. It's not like they don't share their story, which is fine. Maybe they're not ready for it. But what I'm saying is like, why aren't the experts talking about it more openly? Why? Like we don't, we don't hear about it until it happens to us. And then you're in this dark place where you feel alone. You feel guilty because I know that's what happened to me. I was like, maybe I should have eaten better, exercised more. Mm -hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have done this or done that. Or maybe I was working too much, too much. Like so many things go through your head, but the reality is, and this is backed up by science too, is you can do everything perfectly well and be the healthiest person on this planet and you can still have a miscarriage. Yeah. True. Yeah. You no. Know? And it so, could be at any stage something could happen. Exactly. Like yeah, and they tell us those first 3 months like after that it decreases a lot, but I still know people like 5 6 months or born stillbirth having a stillbirth baby. Stillborn baby, I'm sorry, or SIDS, like there's still like infant pregnancy loss, like at all different phases that it's all traumatic. And yeah, nobody talks about it. No one talks about it. So then on top of all this pain and suffering and feeling like you're alone, you have the shame of like, okay, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. So let me just hide it. Right. (laughs) Which is awful. Like we should not feel that way. You're right. We shouldn't. Um, You know, I had... Uh, my close friends, right? Because I had a, I have a group of close friends um, and family members that I felt comfortable sharing. Like, you know, this is what happened to me. 
And it's so crazy how their own kind of like, I, you know, like maybe not issues, but like their own, like feeling like uncomfortable about the topic made them ask really weird questions. Yes. Like, you know, do you think maybe it wasn't you, like, maybe it wasn't something that was wrong with you, but maybe your husband, I'm like, what the hell does my husband have anything to do with like my body and my miscarriage? Like, that's weird. And then other people would say like, well, at least, you know, you can have kids, which is probably one of the dumbest questions that, or statements that anyone can say. Yeah, no one wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one wants to hear that. No one's situation is better or worse than what my own experience is because it's mine. Yes, there's so no comparing trauma. There's no comparing trauma and it's your own story. So let it be your own. You know, don't let other people's issues or, um, you know, like feeling uncomfortable with the topic or the situation take away from your story because I know people who have said oh yeah you're right like her story is more important or her experience was worse than mine don't let that happen to you it's your own yes because your pain is still valid no matter what other people went through oh I'm so glad you brought that up though because that's exactly what it is is that people are just uncomfortable and don't know how to handle those feelings of discomfort So yeah, they want to problem solve and fix it to make it go away. And so then they start asking questions to try to identify what it is, but there isn't an answer. There's no, you know, way to just fix it. So yeah, there, there isn't. And, you know, I can, I can say that um, when people share their, their story, right. For those, like for my loved ones or my close um, group of friends that have, shared like you know I've gone through something like that um or kind of no maybe no that's that's actually not what I'm trying to say but so I've had people come to me and say like okay I've gone through a miscarriage right and some of the things that because I don't want to give them advice that's never my I'm very mindful of that because people sometimes don't want to hear that Mm -hmm. you know but I always let them know that I'm there So like, if you ever want to talk more about it, call me or call someone that you feel comfortable with. But one of the number one things that I get asked by people who have had gone through a a miscarriage is like, how did you get over it? Mm. You know, and the truth is, is you you never, you don't, it's not about getting over it. So I think that's something that people confuse, get confused is like, it's not about getting over it or getting past it. It's about like moving forward, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, you're not going to erase something that's in your brain and you're a psychologist. So, you know, that's not how our brains work, right? Your body remembers all the trauma. you Yeah. Went yeah. It's about just, you know, kind of, um, healing and it, finding peace. I think. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you. All it is. It's yeah. Cause you don't get over it. It doesn't just go away. It's just yeah. Yeah, like you said, moving forward, having the strength to like continue your life and move mm-hmm. on and choosing what to do with that experience you had. And so you're choosing to like educate and empower other people. You know, some people, you know, will choose to do the same. Some will heal and grow and learn in their own way. But yeah, it's everyone's own experience. Right. 
Yeah, it is everyone's own experience and you're going to do what you feel is right with your story. Mm -hmm. Whether it's maybe never talking about it again, but being able to just function day to day, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to share with people that you've had one, right? Mm -hmm. Some people may never feel comfortable with that. That's okay. For me, I feel comfortable. Um, It's actually helped other people too. Those that don't know that I ever had one, right? But that just mentioned to me like, oh, you know, I recently went through a miscarriage. I feel terrible. And, you know, my words of comfort to them is I'm here for you. You know, if you need to talk to me, call me. Yes. Um, And that is the best thing. I know you said you don't want to give advice, but I'm sure people are going to listen to this and want to know like, well, what is the right thing to say to someone? Mm -hmm. And maybe there isn't anything, but that's it. It's just, I'm here. Like, I'm sorry. And I'm here. And just whatever you need, like, I want to try to help you. And for most people, it may just be like not being alone. Like, just sit with me and be quiet. Like, just let me know I'm not in this by myself. Yeah. And just giving them that space to talk if they want to talk, to cry and to not fix it, to not try to change it, to just let them be in their pain and, you know, be sad. Yeah. So I know now I'm thinking like, I kind of wish we had your husband on here, but (laughs) I'm just (laughs) curious. Like, I mean, and he's a, in the mental health field too. Is he a clinician? I don't remember. Um, He's not a clinician anymore. He's more at a, like a supervisory capacity. So yeah, he doesn't. But he has like that mental health background. So exactly. I'm just curious if you were comfortable sharing, like how it impacted your relationship or how did you both like share with each other? Because I think that's even more not talked about is like what goes on with the partner. Right. So for me, I remember like telling him, I don't want to see the ultrasound pictures because, you know, you get like Mm -hmm. a row of them, right? Um, I couldn't, I I wasn't ready for that. Couldn't look at them. I wanted him to just get rid of them. But for him, it was comforting. He wanted them. He He has like this special drawer, like where he puts like important things in there. Like, you know what I mean? Like whatever it is that he needs. And that's where they went. Mm-hmm. and he still has them you know I can look at them now but for him it was comforting to to see that mm-hmm. um he had taken I think it was like just a few days off of work you know because I'm like no like I just I just wanted to be by myself and kind of go through it like on my own I needed some peace and quiet when everyone was at work and school and all that but he did take a couple um days off of work and he was with me through it you know, he cried with me. He held me like we talked about it. He shared it. He's my husband is a lot more. Um, how can I say it? I'm open, but he's like, like he wants to talk about things immediately as they happen. Mm. That's just him. And again, not that that's right or, or wrong, but that's what works for him. That's your preference. Yeah. So people that he trusted at work, he was able to share it immediately. And he asked me like, of course, because he respected it. I was the one that was physically going through it, right? Mm-hmm. He was going through it with me emotionally, oh, but physically, yeah. it was my body. And as a woman, he asked me, like, are you okay with me sharing this? Because you know that I'm very quick to, like, want to reach out to people. And I was like, yeah, because I was okay with it. I knew that's what he needed. But I think as couples, you need to come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. Um more so because (laughs) and I don't think a lot of people even talk about it right 
Um, I want to like take care of the other person and then put their own feelings aside and it just creates more problems. Right. And then sometimes I've also heard where couples tell each other, like, you know, stop crying or Mm -hmm. let's not talk about it anymore. But you guys both have to come to an agreement. It's a loss and Mm -hmm. everyone's going to experience it differently. Even if you are a married couple or a couple that's living together, or maybe a couple that's not living together, but you're a couple, right? And um, you're going to go through it differently. Mm -hmm. And there's no like time frame on grief. Go through it and make some progress and feel better and then feel like you stepped, you know, 10 steps back and you're at square one again. Like it just goes and waves. It's not like a linear process like okay abc and now it's over it's constant back and forth and right so it is important to tell your partner what it is that you need Mm -hmm. i need you to let me keep talking about it with those that i feel comfortable with i need you to leave me alone talking about it yeah sad right this is my process you're grieving differently but this is what i'm you know and respecting that of each other Yes. because maybe because you physically went through it right and you feel like okay now my partner needs to stop talking about it well no we need to respect what the other person is feeling mm-hmm. um because it's just one of those things where there's no like here's a pamphlet and these are you know the ways you grieve like no everyone's different so and that's like with everything in life i think that's why it's so hard to give advice or tips because it's not just one way across the board it's different for everyone and it's different for us like every day like we're going to want something different depending on what we're feeling and Mm -hmm. but yeah being able to talk about it and ask for what you want or what you need and and then yourself being able to soothe yourself and being okay with not being able to fix them. Right. Like you can't yeah. take their pain away and you just have to accept it and accept that you're powerless and give them what they need. Right. Better. Yeah. So, I mean, again, for everyone listening, um, there's nothing wrong with you. You didn't do anything to deserve this. Yes. Um, Take your time through your healing process. You know, don't allow anyone to take that from you because, again, it's your own experience and only you know what you need. Um, And it's okay to reach out, you know. I think, like I said, we need to talk about this a lot more. Even before someone experiences a miscarriage, this is very common. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that until I went through it. So why didn't anyone tell me before? Because it may or may not have changed my situation. I don't know, you know, but um, so, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. So are you able to share, like, what else did you do? Did you go to therapy afterwards? Did you like have any support groups or anything? Like what else did you do to kind of help you throughout this process? So, you know, I, I had researched to see if there were any support groups out there. And I'm going to tell you, there are not very many. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this, you know. Um, There aren't a lot of services out there. I think maybe I found one. Maybe. It was at a hospital. And I think it was once a month. I can't remember the exact details, but it was like super far from home. And it just wasn't convenient. I'm like, no, forget it. 
and then to even try like to get through like to someone it was like almost impossible so there wasn't much out there you know I think because I'm in the um you know the mental health field I was just lucky enough to kind of know like what people I can talk to yeah (laughs) you know but yeah lots of free free therapists (laughs) yeah yeah um but you know, if, if I kind of look at it now and it's unfortunate that we don't have more services out there, you know, like I said, I was just lucky enough to be in the mental health health field and had like resources. And I kind of knew who I could reach out to, but could you imagine someone who knows nothing about mental health? Like, yeah, where do you go and where do you start? Yeah. Well, one place I can share, I know postpartum support international does have virtual groups. Um, and I'm not sure how often they have them, but they do have like a pregnancy and infant loss one. And then, yeah, the rest are just other organizations or agencies that I randomly will see, you know, occasionally offering a support group like that. And usually it's virtually. And I don't know if that's just now because of COVID, because I don't remember really seeing them before, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, we could always have more resources out there for people. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise just building that support on your own and finding people that you can trust and just being able to tell them, like, I just need to vent. I don't want you to problem solve. I just need to talk or I just need you to sit with me or I just need you to watch my kids so I can take a nap, like whatever it is that you need to just move forward. Yep. So And and we're not going to know what to say because there is no right thing to say in that moment. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to make them feel better. So just saying like that you're sorry and that you're there, that's really the best thing that you can let somebody know. Exactly. And refraining from giving advice because as you know, you, your heart can be in the best place possible, but when you start wanting to give advice or you start giving advice, it can go a whole nother direction. And like I said, it, it, you know, because again, grief and loss is a very uncomfortable thing for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, personal. And it's personal. And that's when I would start getting these really weird comments like, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Yeah. And even though I know that person didn't mean it that way, but it's like, come on, really? Like, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to find the silver lining, trying to find yes. something positive, but Yes, even though that's true, like I still lost a baby and now I still have to grieve all that I thought was going to come from me having this baby, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I will share one thing. We didn't really touch on it, but I know just from working with people and hearing from other people that it is usually helpful for them to like name the baby or come up with, you know, just to kind of, because you don't get to even have like a funeral or any Mm -hmm. services, like you don't get that closure like you do when there's another loss, right? Like, did you and your husband do any of that? And was that helpful for you guys personally? We didn't, but you know, what's very helpful for me is, so I was due sometime in September. I don't remember the exact date, but every time like September, uh, like the last weeks of August and like first couple weeks in September, we always say like, oh my gosh, the baby would have been four. Or you know what I mean, and that's so it brings it. yeah yeah, and it brings a smile to us. Again, everyone's different, but that's what's mm-hmm. helpful to us to show that yeah, you didn't forget exactly. I'm not trying to forget that part yeah. in my life. You know, it happened for whatever reason it happened. Do you know what I mean? 
not trying to find a reason in it, but what I'm saying is like, this is something that happened. It was something we were excited about. So during those times that we were due, right, that the baby was due, um, that's what we kind of do. We talk about it. And then we just kind of say like, I wonder what the baby would be like, you know what I mean? So it's like, just to continue processing it every year and check in with each other. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a nice ritual you guys started. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dolores, for sharing your story and being so open and honest and candid about it. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Um, is there anywhere that people can reach out to you if they have any other questions or want some more information? So I can be reached at Dolores. So that's D-O-L-O-R-E-S at DoloresLCSW.com. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll make sure I include that in our show notes too. So people have that information. Any last words or comments that you want to leave the listeners with? Um, just like I mentioned earlier, there's nothing wrong with you. I know we all want to search for answers. Like, why me? Why is this happening to me? I should have done this, done that, you know, but in reality, this is more of a scientific thing. I mean, there's even the scientists and researchers, they don't have a concrete answer as to why these things happen. Um, yeah. Chromosomal abnormalities. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff just happens it just happens yeah so but please take care of yourself you know um lean on those that are supportive to you um you're not alone so this you're not the only person that this has happened to reach out to others that maybe have similar stories to you or maybe others that are comforting to you but you know um just know that you're there's nothing wrong with you more 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 than anything you know there's yeah. nothing absolutely wrong with you. You didn't do anything to deserve this. Thank so. you. Beautifully said. Yes. Well, thank you so much again. I appreciate you taking the time to share with us. Yes. Thank you. Take care. You too.